0: Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Fantastic, buddy. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River. I'm mm-hmm. glad we could get together. Uh, yeah, this is nice. This random
1: getting together that <laughs> well, we had scheduled for the last two weeks. Well, do you see
0: the uh, you see the boats going by, right? I do. I see some boats out there. I mean, it's a little overcast, but not a bad day. I love this huge, like, I would call it a cabin cruiser going by right now. Yeah. It's that big V-shaped hole, but it looks... I mean, it almost reminds me of the Jaws boat. Yeah. Remember that? Like a big, huge, deep V with the the cabin quarters in the center. Yeah. I've always wanted one of those. All right. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's from the 70s or 80s, whatever. Maybe 50s or 60s.
1: I think they're still making them today, John.
0: Well... That, I, nowadays, I know it, it
1: reflects back to your childhood or some I, other you know uh, thing you've got. You you worked
0: in uh, just like, your family's that, marina, right? It, yeah, but it gives me that feeling like being a true boat guy, right? Oh, yeah. When you have one of those, and uh, you know nowadays it's all these creature comforts and oh yeah,
1: I don't know, man. Well, you know my dad used to. Uh, Fished competitively, deep sea fish.
0: Okay, yeah, you've told yeah. told me about this before. So
1: he won the uh, Fort Lauderdale Billfish tournament three years in a row. Okay, and uh, you know, fished on the boat of. Uh, did, did you say bowfish? No, he fished on the boat of, and oh. I was continuing before you cut me off. Oh, sorry. Of a a captain of the boat, the guy who owned the boat, um, who uh, he had. Worked for in high school. When he was in high school, this guy used to do charter fishing. Oh, and he worked on that guy's boat. And he worked on that guy's boat, right? Uh-huh. He was one of, He was a mate right, on
0: right. the boat. Okay.
1: Helped the people, you know, bait lines and put them out and everything else. And now... Did he chum? I'm sure he did some chum. A lot yep. of
0: chumming out there. Put the, some chum know. out. Back in those days. And, uh, yeah, Captain
1: Whitmer was okay. the guy's name. And just... As I remember him, of course, this is, you know, many years later, but he was still doing it in his, you know, 60s and 70s. And uh,
0: Right. I mean, once a boat guy.
1: Right. I mean, you can't get that out no, of your blood. No, And uh, on his boat, the Miss Jean, which was one of his ex-wives. It wasn't uh, G-E-N-E, though. It was J-E-A-N. Right, yeah. The Miss Jean. The Miss Jean, right. yeah. And that he had, there. you know, the what they call the tuna tower. Right and then he had the the lower level mm-hmm. right none of the creature comforts it was virtually open right. You in there, no sliding no, Nowadays, door, I'm sure and, if they
0: were in the game now, they would have all the electronics. Right, no. You could spot those fish.
1: No GPS, no electronics, no depth finders or anything like that. This guy just
0: knew those waters. Or, or, yeah, that, that's back in the day when you had to have the experience of doing it for 30 years yeah. before you knew, oh, there's a cold front coming in, but a nor'easter oh, wind. They're going to be out here on this point. Yeah, and here's where the reef is, and here's <clears> you
1: know <throat> the good spots, and they're running here and right uh but the funny thing was you know i mean they you could steer at the lower level or you could steer from the tower but there was a pole that went up from the lower level all the way through the top one that, so it was all just one so steering the, so the wheel. steering connected yeah, yeah so as you turned it from the top you watched the lower one turning as well, Whoa, yeah. settle down there. Yeah, I know. I get excited. My hands start moving, and you know, I get <laughs> right. all into it, knocking yeah. stuff over. over there. This was an old deep V, just a it just there for fishing. It had
0: the low deck in the back, so you could pull the fish through. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, little Spot holes for the gaff and yeah. Oh yeah,
1: and everybody working on the boat. Well, had well the, I say
0: holes, but it, it's not holes. It's like literally there are sections cut out of the back of the boat. That are like at water level, right? So you can pull the fish up? No, I didn't have that. Oh. You had to pull it up over the... Oh, over over the the, gunnel they call it? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, uh, yeah, but uh, I remember fishing with uh, Captain Whitmer, and he even went over and fished the Bimini Tuna Tournament.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask these tournaments that your dad won. Were they tuna or something else? No, the billfish were sailfish. Maybe that's what you said earlier. When I thought you said bowfish. No, right, billfish.
1: Billfish. Yeah, it's uh, marlin or billfish,
0: sailfish or billfish. Okay, Um, I'm I'm noticing a pattern that they all have something coming out of their nose. That long bill. Yeah, that's why they call them (laughs) billfish. And uh but the tuna and in those tournament, tournaments they don't care whether it's a sailfish or a marlin or
1: whatever. Right. My uh, my father caught a uh eight hundred and twenty pound tuna. Gee, that's a
0: big ass tuna.
1: Didn't win. He actually mounted a fishing chair, a fighting, you know, one of those chairs yeah, yeah. that you with the where you put the rod in the little holder and everything. He put one of those in our backyard. And we had a telephone pole in the corner of our backyard. Yeah. And the the fishing pole that you use to fish tuna, I mean, it's as wide at the top as most are. Just a regular fishing pole is at the bottom. I mean, oh, it's yeah. a stiff, right. long, and they're short too, right? No, they're they're pretty long. Oh, are they long? Yeah, okay. um, but and they got wider down from there, and the line that they used was damn near like cable. Yeah, I mean, it was this thick, heavy line. And well, an eight hundred pound fish, right? Which, yeah, and he would go out every morning. And he had that cable tied around or hooked to the telephone pole in the corner of the yard. And he would, a hundred times, he would reel in as tight as he could and he would let it out. And he'd reel in as tight as he could just to build that I mean basically be, he was fighting the the telephone. Kind of pole. like
0: an exercise.
1: Yeah. yeah, I know, to build his arm strength and his endurance a lot of, f-
0: lot of back strength, right, a lot of uh, right. pulling as tight or... as he could,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, man. He never landed that telephone that's, pole though.
0: That's old school, bro. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Like, I always pictured your dad as more of you know a business wasn't he a banker or something? I mean, he worked in investments. Yeah. Yeah, had his I own mean, he's investment. I mean he was an intelligent firm. guy. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, mean if businessman.
1: He, he was either in that, that's his, pretty admirable. That he's out there working his
0: physical strength as well. He was either in his fishing attire or he was in a suit. Yeah. Reminds me of my dad, man. My dad's, you know, he wasn't a business mogul, but I mean, he he was an engineer all his life. Right. But he was an outdoors physical guy as well. He was, I remember as a kid, one of my chores was chopping the wood, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, literally, you have a, you know, not just, most people think of an axe. But this is like a splitting axe. I yeah. forget what to call it. It wasn't an awl, it was something. There's a name for it. Right. Where it's like a big it's ass a heavy, mass of steel. It's a heavier head so it pushes <laughs> yeah, further yeah. as
1: you swing it down. I know exactly so, what you're talking about.
0: I still have a scar on my thumb where you know those wedges that you use, you Oh yeah, you, you put the wedge and punch in the them big, down in there helps
1: split the wood. Yeah. Right.
0: Dropped one of those point down onto my thumb. Oh, god, you know, if you've ever lost a fingernail, you know, it takes a few days, oh, god, turns yeah. purple, finally falls off. Yeah, and it's one of the more painful things. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's why when they
0: torture, one of the things they do is they pull, <laughs> yeah, okay, let's let's stop there. I have a very weak stomach,
1: oh, low. God threshold for
0: at least thought war. pain I think I have a pretty high threshold for pain it's just the mental image of pain yes, that I don't like that is the worst so can't watch horror movies for that reason really yeah no I, All right. I'm, I'm the guy covering up the screen with his hand you know hand in front of the face I can't watch it yeah okay so here we so are for another, another episode. episode about the car business you know it's a Saturday morning sales meeting a podcast about everything automotive and, eh, it's, it's casual. casual. yeah. There are a few other topics thrown in there. Sure. <laughs> a couple regular guys, John. So, Ray, I notice you have your uh, hard hat on for this episode. No, I don't. You actually do have a
1: hard hat sitting on the table currently. You wore it for the last episode. <laughs> uh, now it's just
0: a reminder of you know the what? need for... I have to tell the story of this hard hat. Is, right. uh, You know, we've been doing a lot of videos lately to promote the podcast... And uh, you know I get a little over the top sometimes with the props and the uh, you know the the imaginary scenarios that are right. going on here. Right. So I'm at a estate sale last week. This is one of my hobbies. I like estate sales. I know
1: you do. Your family. You, it's a
0: family activity. You hey. Your mom and your sister indulges. It, and... Yeah. We and I like it because you can pick up some cheap tools. Yeah. You know, great way to grab some tools. So they had this this hard hat there five dollars for i mean this is like a real construct i don't it says Fluor on the side of it i don't know what that means right is that F-L- the company or the brand I, who knows yeah i don't know f-l-u-o-r maybe i should google them during the break maybe you should <laughs> but yeah man so uh the next time we shoot a video i'm gonna try to find a way to incorporate the Fluor hard hat and it apparently belongs to somebody named reuben barry at yeah. one point. Hey, congratulations, Ruben. I'm glad that you shared this hard hat with the world.
1: and uh, Now
0: it is part of John's uh, collection of props. <laughs> right. I might just wear it out on a Friday night, just you know, maybe you get a drink discount or something. You know, or, you know, if something <laughs> falls. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll get access. You know, I go to a special event you're wearing a hard hat. Who's going to question whether you're allowed in there or not? Absolutely. I might but, go to the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk I, in with a hard hat. Get one of those vests with I don't the know reflective
1: X on it. I don't think it'll get you access to the Grammys. It'll get you access to a construction site.
0: <laughs> for sure. Here's my favorite part about it, Ray. Listen. Oh, nice. It adjusts to your actual head size. Yeah, Nice stuff, man. That is. That's good stuff. Looking forward to shooting that video. Oh, yeah. So, uh, our topic du jour, Ray. So,
1: today, we're going to talk about, is activity-based management a good thing or not?
0: Right. And what we mean by that is, well... You want me to elaborate? Uh, Uh, It's kind of hard to get into it because what prompted this topic was a post by someone else. Yes. And I don't want to give away our opinion until we elaborate on the post that sparked the topic. Okay. I I,
1: I don't know that I can even share the the core message behind the post without giving away my opinion, but I'll I'll, I'll try. All right, please. So the, the message coming across in the post was we've got to get away from requiring a certain level of activity from salespeople that their activity level has diminished their success. Yeah, that it has
0: nothing to do with the level of success. Right. They, by being
1: overly focused on activity, we have reduced their...
0: Effectiveness? Effectiveness, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I can't help but laugh about. It's right. a preposterous idea. Well, and, and, you know, I
1: mean, I don't know, the guy's selling a service or a book or, you know,
0: his ideas or just trying to be... Uh, Maybe he thinks there are people out there that don't want to focus on activities. Of course there are. And, and they, they would love a champion to say, hey, this guy's a genius. Right. He's saying don't focus. I've been focus. saying that for years. You know, we're all worried about the activity. Well, why don't we worry about, you know.
1: Deals. Or right, right. Or success. Or, uh, so, you know, and, and I think the, the disingenuous part, now I'm going to get into my commentary and, and feelings on the subject. Uh, the disingenuous part is to to present activities as if they are on an island. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. If all you're concerned with is activities and you are not considering the success of those activities, then absolutely, I agree. You're an idiot.
0: Yeah. If I, you can't go hire someone off the street and say, here, here's a list. Call these people. Uh, good luck getting a and, car deal. And make sure you call at least 100 of them a day. Yeah.
1: And that's all I do.
0: That's all you say. Right. It's and my
1: a- only concern is, did you call 100 today? Yep, I called 100. Great. You're doing a great job. <laughs> I, who does
0: that? Right? I mean, does Apparently somebody really need to
1: hire this guy or his <laughs> consulting firm in order to learn that, hey, don't just require the activities. Also, look at their success. Yeah. Wow.
0: Mind yeah. blown. Yeah. But you and I know there's a certain element of uh, accountability that needs to be had. Yes. We can't go into, I mean, this always comes back to me in the BDC realm just because it's so measurable. Right. You know, in other areas of a dealership, in sales, it's hard to measure how many ups did we get today. And how effective were we at converting those to sales because nobody logs how many ups they got today. Right. right. But we can check how many phone calls were made in the BDC today. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Or by salespeople. It, it's a little bit
1: harder in salespeople. Yeah, I think with the CRMs that are out there today, as long as they're doing it in the correct way, which you hold them accountable to, we are right. going to have a documented data sheet on how many calls were made from this one yeah, person's Yeah, I, I just belong.
0: think you, you get into the human element where it's a little bit harder to get a sales manager to monitor that. Right. Well, how many sales calls? And again, those are
1: probably the managers who are going, "Yeah, we don't have to worry
0: about activity." I would love to not have to check that every day. People have been asking me about how many calls my salespeople make for years. Who cares? I don't know. What does that
1: have to do with how effective they are? (laughs) Well, and and even to take it back a step earlier in the process, uh, to me, you know, having consulted with dealerships all over the country, as you have, John. a lot of times, you don't know where the breakdowns are in the process, which you have talked about many times in other podcasts. You don't, until you get a, a high enough level of activity to see where is the other problem.
0: Exactly, what, what you're drawing on is the, you know, the the bias of the small number, right? Right. It it's a commonly known statistics principle that the smaller the number, the less reliable the data. Oh, yeah, right. right. So just because
1: I got a hold of, you know, and and that's what I would say all the time, you know, I mean, when you're looking at like contact ratio. Well, today I made 10 calls and I talked to six people. Oh, okay, so you have a 60% contact ratio. Well, tomorrow I make ten calls and I only talk to one person. Oh, okay. So you only have a ten percent contact ratio. Well, <laughs> the number's so small. Yeah, it's not conclusive data to see
0: are we being effective in in our uh, process. That, that's one of the things, Ray, that I love about visiting and consulting with so many dealers. It was we get so much data yeah. that when we go to one dealership, we can pretty much see. Okay, this is abnormal. Right. Right. Know? If I visit 100 dealers and they're all making, say, an average of uh, 80 calls a day in their BDC per rep, right? And then I go to a dealership that's making 30, and I say, Hey, Mr. Dealer, your BDC reps are making 30 calls per day. Were you aware of that? And he says, Yeah, that's pretty normal, right? Yeah, We're up from 20. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, well, what does
0: that translate down to per
1: hour? Right,
0: you, or, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your reps are making four calls per Over hour in an uh, eight uh, hour, sixty day. minutes period. Is that really what you, you're paying? That's them a doing? call every fifteen minutes. Does right. that sound reasonable? But it's it's the ability to see that just in an instant, you know. Thirty thousand right. foot view, and by the same token, we can look at service and sales as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I See mean, right. It's not just the activity of BDC; it's
1: activity of salespeople, and it doesn't even matter the industry, right? What is the activity level, and then when we start to fine tune on the success or you know the the furtherance of the process through that, whether it's a call or a visit or an email. How successful are they in that, right? Now, once we get, we fine tune their word tracker, or we fine tune the messaging that they're doing and we fine tune the responses and we fine tune all of the other things in the process, now we can come up with a reliable number that now we can say, well, God, we are consistently doing 30% contact ratio and 65% appointment ratio and 50% conversion to a sale ratio. Now, when we increase the activity, we should be able to see those same numbers
0: throughout the rest of the process, right? A- Amen. Yes, that's a huge point. And what you're talking about there is number of opportunities. So if I'm making 30 calls a day, and you know, I know that's not because it's such a small number, it's unreliable. Right. But if I have those conversion ratios, I can't simply. Multiply those and say, well, I'm making 30 calls per rep to today. Right. If I make 100 calls per rep tomorrow. I'm going right, to double or triple all of those. Right. Right. Results. It, it, it's semi-reliable to do that math. But it's also another angle is if we're already making those 100 phone calls. Right. But I'm only contacting 10 out of 100. Right. We know, okay, we need to work on that number. Yeah. Or if we're contacting 30 out of 100, but we're only appointing two out of the 30 we contact. Yeah. All right, let's drill down to that number. We, we can look at these numbers, and again, we're talking specifically about a BDC, but we can look at these numbers and know exactly in an instant. But it doesn't what, have to be just a Is BDC. this? Is this a training thing? Is this a technique thing? Is this a management engagement thing? Is this an activity thing? Right. You know, there are five or six variables that are pretty easy to nail down. Oh, yeah. But in any, I don't care what the industry is, right? Right. Activity,
1: following a process, providing an r- ultimate result, looking at the numbers and saying, where are we missing the mark? And my issue with the lower levels of activity is... I think if you look at the lower levels of activity on a daily basis, right? If you look at the end of the month and you say, okay, what are what's now, our on average. ratio? Right? Yeah. What's our averages? But if you look at it on a daily basis, you're going to be all over the map if it's Amen. Low, yes. Right? Exactly. So I think the only way to get consistency in your real numbers is to have a consistent number that is a a, size, a sizable enough population size let's say yeah. that it's going to produce what is your average result real time
0: right right and I, I think you make a good point is this is not contingent upon the car business i mean we're a car specific right podcast but yeah this is applicable in any industry yeah. is take your sample size your yeah. data size right. and you ought to see certain trends within that data size right. over a period of time
1: Right. And what's reasonable amount of activity within
0: a period of time, right? So well, where the magic comes in in that, analyzing the data, right? that's what doesn't happen. Right, right. Whether you're in service or sales or in a different industry, people make it a point almost to collect the data, and then they store it away in a file cabinet, <laughs> in an online database, well, in their you know CRM. What,
1: Thank God. I'm so glad that they do that. Because that that's our profession is coming in and looking at all the information that they've been collecting and say, let me read this for you. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me hold up the mirror and tell you exactly what I'm seeing with the data that you've collected that nobody bothered to look at.
0: I, I but, saw it in a conference call I was on a couple of days ago uh, with a client where they had the data in their CRM. Like say it was a data mining campaign we were discussing. Right. They have, you know, whatever, 30,000, 40,000 names, phone numbers, addresses, current vehicle, amount owed, blah, 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 when they financed it. We had all this data, and we're talking about uh, making a specific campaign for that client to produce, hey, maybe five, six more vehicles this month out of that data. Yeah. Where they missed the boat was they thought, well, hey, we have the data. Let's just call all those 30,000 people. Right.
1: <laughs> no, no, man. No.
0: The, the no. magic is in how you filter the data. Right. You can filter it one way and call 100 people and get zero car deals. Right. You can filter it another way, call 100 people and get 10 car deals. Yeah. That, that's where the art of this comes in. And what's the problem? Is it that managers just don't know how to do it or they're intimidated by it? I think there is no one specifically tasked to do that. Okay. You know? Right. I, I don't think it's a matter of, uh, it could be a little bit of, uh, Could be a little bit of, of a case of, I have so much to do already, now you want me to do that? Right. I, where am I going to find the time? Yeah. You know, so I'm just going to half-ass it to say that it's done. Right. It could be a little bit of, I don't know how. I mean, that's probably yeah. a big component as well. Right. What am I looking
1: at? What am I looking for? What do the results that I'm seeing mean for
0: me as a manager? I mean, all those kind of things. And then I think it comes down to experience. Yeah. is If I made 100 calls and I sold a car, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Right. You know, should I sell, if I make 100 calls to these people, should I be selling 10 cars? Should I be selling two cars? I really don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: I think a lot of dealers have managers that are in that position, you know, they, I mean, no fault of their own. No. They just don't realize what good data is. Right.
1: Well, and, you know, I mean, I think they look at, you know, that translation to card deals is the one thing they do understand. And (laughs) I'm paying these, you know, three additional salaries to get an extra three deals. I'm getting ripped off, right? Is this (laughs) even worth my time, Right, right. right? Rather than go, how can we perfect and get these three, two, one, person people to be effective so it does translate into additional car deals
0: well here's the funny thing if we're going to talk specifically about bdcs the most hilarious and at the same time the saddest thing about bdc becoming a thing is dealers that were selling say 100 or 200 cars let's say a dealership selling 200 cars a month right well they hear oh you know they go to the yeah, they, they go to the manufacturer's meeting. Oh, yeah, BDC is the latest greatest thing, you know, this will be perfect for you. You know, maybe this is 4 or 5 years ago. Maybe some dealers are just now getting involved. But right. but at any rate, they're selling 200 cars a month. They go hire four people to run a BDC. They do all the training. They pay $5,000 a month to get consulting on how to set it up and all this. At the end of the month, they were selling Say, out of 200, they were selling 100 showroom ups, uh, 70 phone ups, and 30 internet leads. The next month, they have a BDC. It's all trained up. They're ready to go. They're still selling 200 cars a month, but they're selling 50 internet leads, 70 phone ups, and uh, 80 showroom ups. Right. So we've just juggled the numbers around. Right. Nobody's making any more money. Yeah. We've just added payroll, right. And added a convoluted process to the deal. Yeah. Well, and that, that's where I think the down. That's where I think the jabronis are. <laughs> right. You know, that are getting in this thing, saying, "Oh, let me show you how to do this." They don't know what the hell they're doing. Right.
1: Well, I think a lot of consultants, just like a lot of managers, they they don't really understand the numbers, nor do they want to dive down into the numbers. They just want to talk about how great their process is. I mean, you know, I've worked with a BDC manager, right? And he was very confident in his ability. And he said, you know, 70% of the deals that have been done in this uh, dealership were thanks to my efforts with my BDC. (laughs) 70%. Right. I said, oh, great. Well, let's look year over year. Well, last year in March, you did 230 And this year in March, you did 228. But 70% of them were yours. So that means, are you really telling me that you would have only had 30% of that number had it not been for you having a BDC? In fact, you weren't even increased from last year's numbers when you didn't have a BDC.
0: Yeah.
1: So you're just tagging every deal as coming through you all. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, semantics. I mean, yeah. you're, you're wasting anybody's time and, and told the dealer that you know I mean your BDC's ineffective well how can
0: you say that I mean look at these numbers yeah. <laughs> I mean you know come look on look at all these deal. deals they brought in yeah yeah. And I, I, unfortunately I think that is a widespread problem yes that dealer principals they're aware of it they're looking at the bottom line right. they're looking at the balance sheet yeah they know my, my gross profit my gross revenue hasn't increased but my expenses have right well, that's what I love about the the thing that we do. Yes. And the eyes that we have is the ability to see that. And I think that's a passion of ours is we don't want to fall in that trap. No. And, yeah, I mean, thank God there are good vendors out there that have that same moral and ethic accountability and the same passion that they're willing to say, look, I'm going to increase your bottom line by this much. Right. You know, and I'm going to take you from 200 to 2 I'm not going to promise you some magical numbers. No. But you sold 200 last March, you're going to sell 206 this March.
1: And and I don't know that I can agree that most of the vendors out there, I think they are like that BDC manager that I was yeah. suggesting.
0: Did I say most? I th-
1: I think at least there are some. There are definitely some. There are definitely <laughs> some fantastic, you know, people who provide an excellent product, but Yeah, if it's and I've had that conversation with dealers all the time. If it's not providing you a a higher sales number and more revenue, then God, what what are you wasting your money and
0: time for? Amen. And and I kind of took us off on this tangent of you know the jabronis out there that are just selling a promise that they can't deliver upon. But it does come back to data. Yeah, and it comes back to monitoring and collecting the data on the activities that we are doing in every department of a dealership
1: well and I think it, it really depends on who's presenting the data because you can like that 70% you can present the data in a way I mean I see a lot of marketing companies that do that yeah hey we got you all this additional traffic and we've got all this additional interest and you know I mean 800 uh, what was it um,
0: Oh, you're talking about that one guy that had 80,000 views or something? No, it wasn't
1: views.
0: It was impressions.
1: Yeah. Right. You got 80,000 impressions. Oh, that's awesome. What the hell's an impression? I'm not really sure, but you got 80,000 of them. Well, how many, we window, right? how many more cars do we sell? How uh, many more cars do we sell? Well, I mean, it looks like you sold about the same you always have. But, you, yeah. hey, think about all the impressions you got.
0: Right. What would you have done if you didn't have those right. 80000 yeah. That That's my favorite comeback of a consultant or a vendor oh, yeah. is, well, geez, think of what you would have done if you didn't have this. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. how much lower would the right. number have been? Yeah. I know you didn't increase any.
1: If, if I can't show you a result then yeah you don't need me
0: yeah i love it i love it man well like i said thankfully there are a few good vendors out there and good consultants and uh, and we are two of them <laughs> amen amen and i think that's what separates us is seeing through the bs and and being real with clients and saying you know here's the fluff here's right. the meat of the matter yeah, and we can kind of break it down. And I think dealers appreciate that because they see the same thing. Yeah. Uh the the other thing I want to take away or, or you know, point out about this episode is the activities are important. They are. We we can Don't listen to those morons <laughs> who are saying, Well, yeah,
1: stop worrying about activity. Uh, hey, guys a jerk. It's, yeah, it's
0: ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and, and once we know good metrics on the data, yes, we can say you have six BDC reps, you know, and and they're all firing on all cylinders, and all right. the data looks good. They're hitting all the key right uh, performance indicators. Or your right?
1: salespeople are doing this level of activity. Whatever it is, go ahead. <laughs> well, I just don't want to
0: be just solely focused on BDC. Well, all I'm saying is. Once we have, say, six, as an example, okay. that are all making the calls and they're all hitting these KPIs, yes, adding a seventh will increase right. your sales. You know, as long as the, the leads are there. Right. Th- that's my point, is that activities aren't important on, like you said, on an island. Right. But once we can measure all the data and see that all the KPIs are hit, yeah, maybe adding a salesperson would increase your sales. Absolutely. Maybe adding a service writer would increase your ROs. Right. All right.
1: I, you know.
0: You concur? I do. I agree with that. All right. I'm good with that. Well, then, thank everyone for listening, Ray. You thank everyone for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you'll join us again. We do appreciate it. And, yes, please join us again. Quit interrupting me. All right.
1: Like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website saturdaymorningsalesmeeting.com where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written.
0: Or email us directly info at saturdaymorningsalesmeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on
1: our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and
0: improvement, simply email us, info at com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right, and these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right. Simply email us info at Meeting dot com. That's info at Meeting dot com.